Welcome into episode 67 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at Simmons, and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Well, Christian, it feels like it's been a while since we've talked and we talked last week about the women's basketball situation and said by the time we record next week, they should have a coach. They better have a coach and they do. We even gave a couple extra days there by not recording till Wednesday. That was all yeah. for Terry Mahaj. They would hit the deadline anyway. I think Sunday yeah. the hire got announced. Um, I, it's a really good hire, like really, yeah. really good. And that's why I didn't buy it because there was some like <laughs> random site reported it, which I, had you ever heard of that website? What was it called? No, no, I don't, I don't even have it up to credit them. Sorry, site that broke the women's basketball search hire like days before I announced, don't know who you are. And I just like, cause then people started sharing that. And I'm like, and I even posted, I'm like, I don't buy that UCF could actually land her. They hired Satya Messer, by the way, who was LSU yeah. and formerly Baylor's assistant so coach. It's, it's I feel like we should the have ball, said that. At the Ball Out Media. Shout out to the Ball Out Media for apparently having like great women's basketball sources. They did say Ole Miss's coach was taking the Georgia job like three weeks ago. So they're like 50-50, but whatever. <laughs> they got this one right. Yeah, I don't, we don't need to get like super in-depth because I know we got some football stuff to get to. And we're also, guys, if you're listening to this, please know that we are on a time crunch. Because uh, just, you know, circumstances. I was going to say why. And then I'm like, well, I don't need to say on the podcast why. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, I think it's a really good hire. I, I'm like, I guess I just didn't like, I guess we just don't know. Like, I didn't think that job was valuable enough to land someone like that. But now I'm back on board of like, this program can be really, really great. She yeah. like, one of her main things was she was the recruiting coordinator for Baylor as Baylor started landing like classes that were better than UConn's. Like, she knows how to freaking recruit. Is she going to those classes to UCF? No, but they also don't like need to have the number one class in the nation yeah. to be really good. And also so. like the fact that that was in the big 12, obviously, which is where UCF's going. So, yep. She knows the big 12 super well. She also just seems awesome. Did you watch her presser? I haven't got to see the whole thing yet. I had a, I had a meeting like, right. I think she had her introductory press conference at two o'clock on Tuesday. And I had a meeting at two o'clock on Tuesday. So oh, I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen bits and pieces, but I haven't been able to watch the full thing yet, but yeah, super. I like her energy a lot. She seems like just, she seems like a good fit. I don't know. She seems like she'll mesh well with UCS current crop of coaches just because I also find it nice, nice coaches on campus. I also find it interesting. Well, we have some um, that uh, I don't even know which coach I'm shading there. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was like, we talk all the time about how great the coaches are. I just felt like I had to undercut that comment. And I'm like, I don't even know. Who's the worst UCF coach right now? Say it. Who is it? I like as a person? No, (laughs) no, we're not great. I said, said she's, I said, she's a nice, I said, she's a nice, uh, she seems nice. And she's like, she'll fit in well as, as far as like, I don't know, all the coaches seem to support each other and really like, are positive people so i don't i wonder who okay let me rephrase it who's the worst coach with the media like not as far as like personality but just like worse interview you know i don't know i'm trying to think about it now hmm. i can't really i can't really picture like i can't i don't know if i have too much i've interviewed them both i think but i don't remember much about calabrese or robert sahadak i think robert sahadak with the media Wow, this is interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, like Hypo was so far and away like the worst, the worst. before, but Gus is, yeah. I mean, Gus isn't like amazing or anything, but he's pretty good. He, um, yeah. Football coaches, it's always like they're not going to like, they're not going to tell you anything. <laughs> like that's an all football coach thing. <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, what? But like the great thing about football coaches all across the country is like you're a media member and you're like, oh, so coach, uh, what do you think of practice day? And the coach is like, why are you asking? Like, what are you trying to get on us? And it's like, well, we're doing our jobs. Who do you know here? (laughs) It's like not giving you any information. We're so off topic already. (laughs) Speaking of of answers from coaches, if we could talk about with spring football, um, we're going to break down UCS quarterback battle, which is is what everybody's doing at this time of the year. And 
I mean, what else is there to talk about with UCF football? Spring game is next week, which I'm really excited about. Um, next too, weekend. Oh, I need to apply for a credential for that. I forgot. Glad we're having oh, this that, podcast. That answers, so that answers my question. Oh, was it for going like, I was together? like, am I going with you? Uh, I'll, um, I'll pending my, we'll see if I get credentialed or not. <laughs> if you get, you're not going to get, you're not going to get rejected. So you'll be credentialed. I'll just hang out in the sun and die. Um, but we will be recording a, at an end game or not in game. <laughs> It'll be kind of fun if we did an in game <laughs> podcast. We'll be recording a in person podcast after the spring game, correct? So yeah, we will be on the lookout for that. Um, we'll have plenty to, to read into and, and talk about. But today, speaking of reading into things, yeah, we're gonna go deep here and break down UCF season outlook with each quarterback that's in the competition right now. I think this, this conversation will probably center mostly on Mikey Keene and John Rice Plumley. We also will talk. You, mm about Thomas Castellanos. Because... I have a lot of things to say on Thomas Castellanos. Okay, so, yeah, well, I'm saying, well, the reason I'm saying that is because coming out of the first scrimmage and just basically the whole consensus, I think we've talked about this in the past podcasts out of the, of the news, but it just very much seems like it's Keen and John Rice Plumley as the top two. Wait, really? Uh-huh. Seriously? Oh, that's so like, weird because all of UCF Twitter is still acting like Tommy's in the race. So I don't know. I just thought maybe I'd missed, you know, the coaches literally <laughs> acknowledging that it's a two quarterback race <laughs> and that Thomas Castellanos isn't in the race. Guys, I know that like, this is what fans do. They just don't understand things, but like read the freaking signs. Like, it's like, they literally need Gus to come out and be like, we're red shirting Tommy for anyone to understand. The, Tommy is live. He is live. He is live. And Navarro is live and JRP and Mikey are not. I, how do you guys not get what that means? And my second <laughs> point on that is what you all come back with is, oh, but look at all like all whenever they say like, oh, who had a flashy play and practice of the quarterbacks? They say, oh, Tommy did this cool thing with his legs. You know why? Because he's live. <laughs> JRP and Mikey can't because they're not live. And you guys take that and are like, see, it's all a ruse. It's really going to be Tommy. It's like, guys, let the Tommy dream go. It was never going to happen. It's not going to happen. This podcast is going to age so well when it, he somehow is randomly the starter, but he's out of the race. And then the other, the other thing I get is people come me on Twitter like, oh, well, he's out of the race in spring, but who knows what happens in summer and fall. That's not how that works. Before the transfer portal, coaches would name the starter after the spring game. I like, I just, I, it's like, I'm sick of having conversations on Twitter with you guys where I, you bring up the quarterbacks and you guys throw me a name that's not even in the race. I don't get it. I don't get what you're supposed to hear or say where you stop thinking it's going to be Tommy. See, I didn't, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been like further removed from all of that talk, but I didn't know this was going to get you. So uh, I'm done with so it, man. High on the so here's what here. did it. Here's what did it for me was, so we've gotten like our, of course, our one snippet of spring game action has been Mikey throwing a pick six to Brandon Adams. <laughs> so that happened. And everyone, which I, I you do just blew like. that. I was going to talk about some of the stuff in the news, like oh, some I'm of the sorry. stuff he came out of the coming scrimmage. And I was just going to say that he had a pick six. Not, I was going to say Brandon Adams had a pick six. Wasn't going to mention who it was off of. <laughs> Wasn't going to talk about that. We didn't have to talk about that. Um, who's now a wide receiver? <laughs> I like, like, and I like I wide receiver as pass. That, as soon as that play happened, because this is what I mean. This is what spring ball is, right? You just take the little things you have, and it becomes the story. And like every, like all the replies were like, "Wow, Tommy would never." <laughs> <I'm> like, <"God." laughs> guys you're right you know why tommy would never because he's not running with the ones so right oh so so like for the scenario thing i do want to talk about the scenario if tommy starts just to like cover ourselves in case something dramatic right. happens but no that I was just i wasn't don't meaning to say i wasn't meaning to say that we weren't going to talk about it much i was just meaning to say we're going to start the start the conversation with mikey and john rice plumley which also kind of it, it kind of works that they're like 
the two we're going to talk about first because I feel like, I mean, the offense will look different, I think, depending on which of those two guys would be the starter. But I think I expectations, so. I think expectations generally would be pretty similar. Which is that stupid to say? Like, you're like, the offense will look completely different, but it, it's going to be great no matter what. Like, is that? No, no, because I think I think both guys have strengths that they would play to, and those strengths would, would translate to large, like largely would translate to success. I don't think it's like an out there thing to say. I guess this is a podcast for later in the summer, but I guess still like I'm still nailing down what my expectations are, period, like for UCF. And a big part of that <laughs> is who the quarterback is going to be. But yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting because the whole Mikey versus JRP debate is if Mikey is better than JRP, just a better player all around, which like no offense to JRP, but he's been a wide receiver for two years. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility it does become this decision for the coaching staff of, do you play your best option or do you play your best fit? And that is super interesting to me because I feel like that is a really not enviable position to be in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that I always do appreciate about like some coaches will stick to their, to their scheme and to stick to their like their stuff. And that's, that's it no matter what, for better or for worse. But I do like when coaches are able to adapt. And I think, I mean, we look at last year, I think Gus, was willing. I mean, it was circumstances that were kind of thrown on him, but he was willing to adapt and have Mikey Keene start step in as his quarterback after Dylan Gabriel went down. Even so, before I mean, Dylan, I, I mean, he, he, he was, that, yeah, even he when was Gabriel was even when Gabriel was healthy. I mean, that was not a malls on offense. I mean, he really adapted the offense to Gabriel's skill set. They were a lot more pass heavy in those three games than uh, Gus had ever been at Auburn. And I mean, to me, that is the mark of like I don't want to like. Of course, that's because how our coach's philosophy. I'm going to say it's a good one, but like. There are some coaches in college football who they have their system and it's not about who the most talented player is. It's about who's the best fit for that system. And that's admirable if you're Navy, but there's 129 schools that aren't Navy. And if you're not Navy, that's stupid is my personal take on that. Because at the end of the day, college football, in my opinion, well, not in my opinion, this is just the way it works, guys, is like 80% of it is like, I feel like 80 to 85% of the time, it's the team with the better players wins, right? Like it's just the more talented team, but you know, It's not always the case, but most times it's the case. So I don't know why you would not put your most talented players on the field. I don't, I don't I'd say that. when two teams are close on talent, then that's when scheme can often can sometimes be the differentiator. But yeah, I mean, I'd say more often than not, the more talented team will win. Well, there's other factors, obviously. But no, that's the only one. Stars matter, I mean, guys. There's, <laughs> it matters how well they're coached, discipline, penalties, all that stuff. So we don't need to get into all that. But yeah, it's, it's interesting because – the offense would look completely, I feel like it would look completely different. And we've kind of operated on the assumption. I feel like it's a fair assumption that John Rice Plumley is going to see the field. Yeah. Like absolutely. in either situation, he'll see the field, which is why I keep going back to the scenario. And I don't, I mean, might sound better or feel better in theory than actual and ex, an actual execution, but we won't know until we see, but the idea of Mikey Keene starting with JRP as that guy that comes in and, you know, and I've said this multiple times is that he needs to be able to throw the ball too. Like when he can't just like every time he trots on the field, you can't like have the other team be like, all right, so they're running the ball with the quarterback or they're, they're running an option play. He needs to be a threat to throw the ball. Even if he's going to be the, the backup, he's going to be the running quarterback. He needs to be able to throw the ball sometimes. Which and that's why really- instead, instead of saying that he's like the backup or like he's the running quarterback, I'd like to just like, you, like, and I assume this is what they would plan if they started Mikey, which we don't know if that's going to happen. Would He's the gadget guy. I mean, it's not, it's yeah. not exclusively he's now in for a QB draw or like a very basic option play. Like you, they could probably come up with some really creative stuff for him, which some people might reply and say, well, why does it just start? Like they come up with those creative <laughs> stuff when I just start it. That's an argument to be had. Like I said, my main reservation with JRP is I'm just not convinced he can throw the ball at all. He didn't show that at all at Ole Miss, even when he was a quarterback. 
And like, you guys can be all in on like, we're going to have Gus's system. Like, let me tell you the first time that like JRP steps, the JRP drops back and then the pocket starts to collapse and he darts outside and he's on his legs and you're like, here we go, here we go. And he chucks the ball to a wide open Ryan O'Keefe and then lands 10 yards ahead of where O'Keefe is. <laughs> you're going to be really annoyed and you're going to be like, what are we doing here? So I don't know. I like, I, I guess the question is, let me ask you this. Like how accurate does JRP have to be to roll with over Mike? Does like, cause you know, we, we know he's not going to be as accurate, but like, where does he have to be on that spectrum? Yeah, man, I, I don't even know how you quantify that with like, with practice, with the spring game, with that kind of stuff. I don't, I really don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a weird position that the coaching staff finds themselves in. Cause like, I think, I mean, it, I, this is a, I mean, obvious statement, which is what I'm kind of famous for on this podcast, but <laughs> if last year had gone according to plan and Dylan Gabriel played the whole year and didn't get hurt and Mikey Keene didn't have to start as a true freshman and Gabriel still transfers. And we're coming into this year with my uh, Mikey Keene that hasn't seen the field with this team as much as me, other than just like in mop up duty. And then we're seeing a transfer JRP. Like how different is that? Because now they've had Keene not only in the system for a year, but has run it in a game has shown what he's good and not so good at what he can develop. It's just an interesting spot that they're in as a coaching staff year two at this for this program. Well, that, that opens up a whole can of worms. Cause if Dylan Gabriel, let's say Dylan Gabriel never gets hurt. Like what, what's UCS record? Probably like 10 and two, maybe. Probably. I still don't think they make the conference title game, especially if the other injuries stand. So like, but at, either way you tend to, you beat Florida still. Well, actually they probably would have lost the Florida game with Dylan if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> um, he would just shut down. Like he always does in big games. 10 and three. Like, I don't know. You might've been able to attract it. If Dylan Gabriel just put up all these crazy stats, you might've been able to attract a higher level transfer quarterback than John Rice Plumley, And that might change that, but I don't it know. It's a weird snowball kind of thing, I guess. But is Mikey having started last year, helping him or hurting him? Cause it feels like a, most of the fans that don't like Mikey, they're, they're saying, well, look at how he was last year. He was, you know, not good. Cause you know, they're fans that don't understand that true freshmen look like that. At, these are the say, same like, fans that are I, shouting for the true freshmen to start this year. By I, was, I, I was just going to say like, when you said, I was just like, I don't care what the fans think. I don't <laughs> like. That's I, right. You all are here to listen to us. <laughs> We're not listening to you. <laughs> no, that's not like I was going to say. I was like, I feel like this is going to come out completely wrong. But it's just like, I think the fact that he started last year, it doesn't matter to me what the, the fans took away from his, what he started, nine games, 10 games last year. It doesn't matter uh, to me. It was 10. 10. It doesn't matter to me what they took away from it or what they feel one way or the other. It's just what is the coaching staff having seen him play for 10 games against real competition, against, you know, a lot, a lot of adversity, you know, what, what is that doing to help or hurt him in their eyes and in, in their evaluation? I think to honestly probably helps more than it hurts. Oh, of course I think it they, does. I think they Nothing know, replaces I, game experience. I think they know like, yeah, maybe he does have some limitations in terms of using his legs. And I think they probably, he knew Gus knew that probably when he named him the backup last year. Um, so I just, I don't know. I think, I think the fact that, he got that experience last year. Probably, I would say he's. Would you say he's the favorite? Have we talked about like the just in general? Like, would he be the favorite to start? I don't. That's the one thing that makes this a really interesting quarterback race. Is I feel like every quarterback race in history, there's been a favorite, and like I don't know if there is one for this one. I guess he's just the what he's the incumbent is what they. He's what the they incumbent. Would say. He also he went seven and three as a starter last year. Like that's yeah. The Cincinnati game doesn't count because they were beating everybody. And what are you going to do with a true, like any true freshman loses that game? Now, let me tell you which one genuinely doesn't count the Navy game. It's not Mikey's fault. Gus was like, this is the perfect time for <laughs> Joey Gable. <laughs> you know what will work after driving down the field and putting us in position to win the game? 
putting in Joey Gateway. Hadn't Mikey completed down. like three straight passes on three From straight them. plays, and then Gus was like, this like, is the moment. <laughs> they were like in the red zone, right? And it was second. It was not, was it like if it would have been a first down play? Sure, fine. They put him in on second down. So the play didn't work. And so you're on third, you're at third and long, I'm pretty sure. You're behind the six as it is, and you're. And then Mikey came back in, and I don't even remember what he. I, I need to look at the game log. I just that was something. Think of how different no the world is if Gus had just acknowledged that Navarro was better at that than Gatewood, like from the get go. But it made no whatever, sense. can't change that. But anyway, yeah, no, I mean, because and that's kind of the point that some people are making in defense of Tommy is because, well, like what I just said with Mikey, you can't replace in-game experience. Like that was invaluable. Like the ups and downs of being a true freshman pays off. We saw that with Mackenzie Milton. We kept thinking we would see it with Dylan Gabriel. And I'm just going to keep taking like really subtle shots at Dylan this whole podcast, guys. <laughs> subtle. Like, why not? But Quote subtle. Unquote, subtle. <laughs> so, and here, all right. Or I, I love how I just keep turning this back to Tommy. So part of the reason that one of the big things about Tommy that I've said before, and I've tweeted this is if they start Castellanos, that will be the third time in the last four seasons. You see, have to start a true freshman quarterback. It's really hard to be like guys. And, and like, by the way, guys, like guess what it did the last two times. It really made the season a lot worse than it could have been. And I was all for it in 2019 when Wimbush came in. Well, I was all for Mac originally. Okay. Thing that's been lost. I'm, I'm still off the rails. I'm going to this. Thing that's been lost to history. I've realized that people have like in their minds changed 2019 UCF into that Dylan was always going to be the starter before Mac broke his leg that summer. Mac was going to be the starter. I don't think people realize that. And like, that's not me being like, this was my thought. Like I'm telling you, he was going to be the starter anyway. And then, you know, it was down to Wimbush and Gabriel. And I was all like, they need to start Gabriel. He's the hot shot, true freshman. He's from Hawaii, for God's sake, like put him in. And we did. And it at times was really great. And it at times flat out lost them games. There were two to three games that year that you can put almost entirely on Dylan's shoulders for them losing, which is fine because that's what true freshmen do. But when you're UCF and you're moving to a new conference next year, and you're trying to get recruiting going to the level of that conference, and you're touting we're the future of college football, you can't just keep starting true freshman quarterbacks, especially with a season like this, 2022, that has an insanely ideal schedule and where you're probably going to be more talented than almost every team you play. You cannot waste that on a true freshman quarterback. You just can't. Not only that, but with you know the way college football is now, you can't keep going with true freshman every year not being 100% sure, you know, if they're going to be the guy or not going into the next year. And when you're trying to get guys to come from the transfer portal, you're trying to build your team out that way. It's a lot easier to sell sell stability to potential recruits in the, in the transfer portal. So if they're going to if they're going to the Big 12 in 2023 off of what is it? Will be starting a true freshman quarterback three times in the last four years would it be, I guess, if they yeah. started Tommy this year. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's a little bit more iffy if you're a transfer wide receiver, if you're a transfer, anybody really, it's a little bit more iffy than if you're going with a guy like Mikey, who's started the last two years, gonna probably going to start his third year, going to be a junior. And like, you're, you've got a more seasoned team. I don't know. It's interesting. Cause that, no, that's, that's Dylan leaving thing... Dylan transferring hurt UCF in the portal a lot this past year, as far yeah. as the guys they could get. And it wasn't even that, Oh, Mikey's not good enough. It was just the, it's what we're dealing with now. It was the uncertainty of who the quarterback's going to be when you're a transfer and you've only got one or two years of eligibility left and you're burning that free transfer. It's hard to convince yourself, especially as an offensive player to walk into a situation where you don't know who your quarterback's going to be. That's tough. What's so interesting too, is like with this whole quarterback battle and how everything will unfold this season, I know it'll all play out and we'll get answers as the season goes on. But if Mikey wins the job, and is the starting quarterback for, you know, for throughout the season. I mean, I think we go into 2023, he's going to start again, right? Does, does Tommy transfer? What, like, what happens there? Like it's, it's, it brings up like this whole, you know, snowball effect where I don't know what happens. Like it's, it's really interesting 
what could you know what this the result of this quarterback battle could do for 2023 and then the future of the quarterback position so what i find interesting on that is like full disclosure everything i just said i think tommy has a way higher ceiling than mikey like long term yeah. and i guess the question is like what do you like like next year even if mikey was the starter this year do you, if he wasn't like super amazing do you have an open competition again <laughs> like do you just keep making mikey earn it i i guess i don't know yes yeah, so that's that's the weird thing that like coaches i don't envy coaches having to, to like manage the i don't want to say egos but man basically manage just like the happiness of their players and especially with the transfer portal the way it is well the portal makes it brutal i mean guys yeah. can leave at any point yeah and i it's 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 really interesting because i don't know i mean that's the thing is if ucf if if keen starts this year and UCF, I just called him Keen. I usually call him Mikey. That's weird. Um, if, if Mikey starts this year. He's showing respect to UCF starting yeah. quarterback. <laughs> if Mikey starts this year and they go, I don't know, let's, throw, let's say they go 10-2. and two And whether they're in the conference championship game or not, they go they win 10 games. And who cares whatever happens in the bowl. I mean, he plays reasonably well and well enough to win 10 games. It's hard to say earn your spot again next year over another, a guy who has only seen the field a little bit. But at the same time, you don't want to block the development of a guy you're you seem to be pretty invested in Castellanos. It's really way, a tough situation. You just said who cares what happens to the bowl? The bowl will entirely answer oh, that. Of course, if, if, of course. if they That's... win the, whatever the bowl is, it could be gas briller, it could be cotton. If they win it, everyone will be buying Mikey Keene jerseys and going to autograph signings. And if they lose, everyone will be like, When is Tommy and or maybe Malachi well, Singleton come in? It really start? was it really was like us last year where we were like we, we made that point multiple times and then then they draw Florida in the bowl game and we're like okay well maybe the bowl does matter a little bit more than we let on before but it's well just right that was a really special yeah it's, 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 it's only the right situation where like you can take actually like something from the bowl that's why I wanted to say like, well the bowl bubble is real like like regardless of what they like bowl games themselves don't really matter that much anymore and people oh it's always the perception but but it but it took but the entire season like 2021 is remembered as a really nice season now because they ended it with beating florida yeah if they lost florida and finished eight and five it would have just been like where is the malzahn era going like yeah mikey needs to be lose his scholarship like i mean there's still people that are even not sold on gus i've seen people i saw people in your mentions or at least somebody in your mentions not that long ago talking about Gus and I was yeah, like yeah I thought that was I funny. don't but I don't I listen like that's fine I mean whatever it's been a year you know yeah. like you, you don't have to be totally sold on him after a year I thought last year was a really impressive coaching job given that they had half a team um yeah. and won nine games like that's the other thing is like I know that UCF standards have risen in recent years but nine and four is not a bad record I mean you know it's that's not a bad record at all especially with the crap they had going on geez man so yeah I don't know the other thing about like Let's flip it for a second. Let's go, because we've okay. been talking a lot about if Mikey's the starter. Let's talk about if JRP's the starter mm-hmm. and what that means for the future position. So then you go into 2023, JRP's going to be gone, I assume. If you, How many years of eligibility does he have? I don't know. I thought he had two, but does I might two? be I might Does he be have two? Off. I didn't know that. No, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I He's might be off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at JRP's stats. At, what I was going to say there is like, so then what is 2023? Is it just Mikey and Tommy battle for the job? I don't know if Mikey would still be here at that point. That's the thing. I feel like if, if JRP wins the job, I feel like you're probably looking at JRP and then the next quarterback to start a game after him is Tommy. Weird how that might work. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So let's talk about JRP. I'm looking at his numbers from 2019, which I get was a long time ago, but it's also the last time he played this position he's trying out for. So it's all we have guys. Um, he completed 52% of his passes for 910 yards and four touchdowns to three picks. 
Mm. How are we how are we feeling about that? <laughs> Not like super great. His rushing stats are great. Oh yeah, I mean, his rushing, rushing stats, stats are great. But if you I mean if you look at the, the highlights and stuff too, him, the majority of his highlights are the things he's doing with his legs. That's weird. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> I don't know, guys. It's just people keep saying we need the dual threat option. I know I've said this on the podcast before. Like dual threat doesn't mean a running quarterback. Dual threat means they can hurt you in two different ways. And I'm not convinced he can hurt teams with his arm at all. I'm just not. And so maybe this the, is going to like, let me, let me, let me, let me cover my ass really quickly. This might like, we might, you might play this back. Like you might be listening to this, like after the season, cause you're bored and you're like, let's listen to old Pegasus podcast. And I might look like a moron and like JRP was amazing and rushed for 1500 yeah. yards and UCF won all the games. I'm acknowledging that could happen, but we're just going for what we have here. And I just like, especially with this wide receiver core, which is actually shaping up to be pretty good, which is kind of a yeah. surprise from where we were a couple months ago. I feel like it's dumb to roll with someone who can't throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just based off what we've seen. And I'm looking at it now. This is from AL.com. I don't know if it's Alabama. It's, it's, they yes. cover. Yeah. Um, he has two seasons of football eligibility remaining and three seasons of baseball eligibility remaining. So you yeah. said two seasons? Yeah, two seasons of football, three seasons of baseball. Wow, I that guess that probably things. just works out with the way COVID, the way COVID is giving everybody an extra year. Yeah, I don't know. Be in college it, for like nine years now. Um, depends on whether he wants to take that extra COVID year, I guess, too. Like, it didn't, it's not necessarily like. But if he that, was starting and they were good, or even if they were just why, fine, why like, not? why would he? He's not going to go to the NFL. Like, why right. would he? I don't know. It's, huh. an, it's definitely an interesting wrench that gets thrown into things that he could be, if he wins the job, like, what's to say, unless they're not good and he's not playing well. What's to say he's not the starting quarterback again when they go to the Big 12 in 2023? I love that I just spent a whole podcast bashing who may end up as a two-year starter. That's great. It's just hard to envision, um, isn't it, though? It is, but that might just be the nature of the portal. Like, I don't know. We just sort of treat portal guys as having less eligibility. But if he has two years, I don't know why he wouldn't use the second year. No, it's not that. It's I'm saying, isn't it hard to envision him starting for two years at UCF? I find but it, why is that hard? If he wins it this know. year and they're good, why would he not start again the next year? That's that's what I'm saying. If he wins it this year, I'm I don't know. I'm I guess I'm I'm more skeptical than I've really even said yet. Like what he's gonna do, I don't know. I think if he starts this year, he might do well enough, but I don't know that he's gonna do like enough enough to keep the job. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange it's a strange thing. Like it'll we'll just see how it plays out. I guess that's why it's hard that we're talking about this April sixth, but. It'll be interesting. I think the if, JRP ceiling, and this is just, I can already tell, like if he starts, we're deleting this podcast. So listen to it while you can, guys. I think JRP's ceiling is going to be a guy who isn't going to win you games, but isn't going to lose you games. I think that's like his ceiling, to be honest with you. And if that's good enough with this schedule for you, then like go for it. But like, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm really skeptical. So UCF won nine games last year with... I would say, injuries. I would say, well, I would say what? Like, I'm talking about quarterback play. Would you say average quarterback play? Yeah, I'd say average. That's fair. It wasn't average. Bad. I'd say average. Yeah. Average quarterback play. They won nine games with all the injuries. The injuries kind of, you know. Are, I'm going to say, didn't Mikey throw, too. Mike, I'm going to say like slightly above average because he threw like so he the, threw 17 so touchdowns to six. Let's picks. say, let's say average. Well, he had, yeah, I, we won't get into it. But let's say average to like to a little bit above average, just because there were some games where he was very, very average, or some games where he was below average. All right, so, so would, we'll say would, slightly above average quarterback play. Yeah, that's so fair. they win nine games. You know, all the injuries are, or you take those into account too. But I forgot where I was going with this point. <laughs> but um, so that's what I'm thinking. So, okay, let me try to gather this back to where I was going. Oh, JRP, say JRP starts this year, and 
does the same. He's, you know, he's just average. He doesn't, like you said, he doesn't really win you games. He doesn't really lose you games. And UCF again goes and wins eight to 10 games at 10 games. I know like that sounds, you know, I guess 10 games is kind of hard, but say they went eight to nine games and they, he's, he's average. Do you go into next year really being like, yeah, he's our guy. I don't think you do. Let me, let me be clear. If he was to the point where UCF was on pace to win eight to nine games, he would not be the starter by the end of this season. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good point. So, so to answer your question, no. <laughs> so we see, see, see a quarterback change in the season, probably to Mikey, I would assume. They're not like, I wouldn't think. Well, I don't know. Cause at that point you're running a system that fits Tommy better. And they might just say we're two and two. This isn't working. This is such Screw a it. mess. Let's just go to the future. This is such a mess. <laughs> this is rough. Also, if JRP has two years of eligibility and starts, who's, why is Mike even going to be here for the opening game? <laughs> I don't know. We are just, all this podcast has been is like Bailey and I realizing how many freaking ways there are that this can Yeah. I mean, originally, originally the way I laid this out was like, what are, what do we expect if Mikey starts? And then what do we expect if Jay? Like, I don't know. Like everything. There's a billion scenarios. Like there's so many different scenarios. And the annoying thing is we're really not any closer to having an answer. And we're not going to be closer. Because Navarro's out. And um, All right. the I mean, few fans who thought that was a thing. And, and honestly, the, the big thing so far has been that Tommy seems to largely be out of it already, which isn't right. really a surprise, but we were before spring ball started treating this as a very clear three-way race. And now it's a very clear two-way race. So we have gotten some clarity, just nothing. That's fair. That. More of what I'm saying. So what we've talked about so far is all of these different scenarios that could play out with mostly with Mikey and JRP. And I'm saying with that, with that, we're not any closer to, to knowing. And I yeah. think spring game isn't going to make us any closer to knowing. We won't know for a long time. We'll have to do however many podcasts throughout this summer, not really having an answer and having to have the qualifier of like, oh, well, if this guy starts this, or if this guy starts this, it's really, it's a, a strange situation to be in that. Remember when Mackenzie Milton was a three-year starter? No. Yes. I, uh, speaking of that, uh, Scott Frost, Mackenzie Milton's freshman year, this is, this is a great story because it's relevant to this. He liked to talk about a lot of times when it came up media, how he said the most popular player on your team most of the time is the second string quarterback. Oh, yeah. And he, it's true. And he kept saying that because he was trying to defend Milton because most of the fan base wanted Holman to start over him, which is like so funny to look back <laughs> on. But again, more anti-Tommy evidence that like, Mackenzie Milton's the best player in school history and he was awful as a freshman. But I don't know. I, I just, is it, is this so hard for us? Because like what you just said, like UCF's actually like went through a period of having some pretty solid quarterback consistency because they got three years of Milton as a starter. And then I know we had like the half of Wimbush, but then it went right into Dylan. Yeah. And, and it's I mean, they, basically there was a, what, like a six year period where there wasn't a ton of question about who the quarterback was going into a season. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And now here we are. <laughs> Yeah. And we, it's just, it's, it's very difficult to get through. And I know we've spent, like I said, I, I figured we were probably going to spend so much time on Mikey and JRP, but do we want to dive into the very minimal possibility that it's Castellanos and then yeah, we, we can, can do go that. on we another rant if quick. you want. Nah, I'm, I'm all out of, I'm all out of energy. I, uh, you okay. guys, you guys have heard, you guys have heard my opinions on this, but um, I don't know. Like I, basically if Tommy's the starter, here's what you should do as a fan, like take whatever, however many games you expect UCF to win this season and drop it by two to three. And that's it. If Tommy starts. 
I think that's fair. That's about what happens every time a true freshman starts. They cost you two to three games, even the very best. That's just the way it goes. And and listen, there will be games. I mean, we've seen, we saw that with Dylan, like where he can look spectacular and have some stupid stat line, but he's a true freshman and he goes up and down. I mean, it's like, I think one, I think, was it Chip Lindsay who said a person this week? He hasn't even like, you know, he hasn't even been to like high school prom. (laughs) That's how young he is. He should be in high school right now. So I don't know. I just, like I said, this, it would even be different if we hadn't just gone through this a couple other times, but like, you can't like starting different true freshmen in back-to-back seasons just seems so stupid to me, unless one of them is like a five-star. And even then it's still probably stupid. It's, it's interesting too. And I mean, this could be off base depending because he is, he's a true freshman. We don't know how developed he is in terms of his, his arm and you know, what he'll be able to see. I mean, it sounds like he's picking up the offense pretty well, but if, if Thomas Castellanos does somehow come become the starter, the question of like, what does the offense look like? I think that's when you get the closest to an actual Gus Malzahn offense. And I think that's part of the reason why so many people are on this Tommy train, because if, if Mikey starts, you're going to see less of the, you know, quarterback mobility thing. We've talked about that, you know, many million times. If JRP, we talked about JRP's limitations as a passer, we're looking probably at a lot more of a, you know, a, a run heavy offense and I think that there's like you've talked about it, and you said it on Twitter, you got in an argument with somebody over it who just had a fundamental dis- misunderstanding of what a Gus Malzahn quarterback is and what a Gus Malzahn offense is. He's not looking for a run, a running quarterback. He's looking for a dual threat quarterback. Yep. And from what we've seen on high in his high school and what he's, you know, believed to be Castellanos is the closest that UCS UCF has to that. It's just the fact that he's a true freshman who obviously has no experience and, you just don't want probably you don't want to go that route again for another year, but that's that that's the thing where like if he does start, that's probably the closest we'll see to a Gus Malzahn offense. And listen, playing devil's advocate because I don't necessarily agree with what I'm about to say. A lot of Auburn <laughs> fans, a lot of the more rational ones, because you know they're all over the place. Some of them are wow. Um, a lot of Auburn fans hold the belief, and I think there's some merit to it that part of the problem with Gus's era at Auburn was he kept winding up in situations where he was playing quarterbacks that didn't fit his system. Like he, and he had Jarrett Stidham, which is kind of the way things worked out. And then he transferred to Bo Nix, who was like a legacy recruit who also didn't really fit what he wanted to do. And that was what kept lowering it. So, and you could argue that going with Mikey is a repeat of that, where we're once again, seeing Gus with a quarterback that's not best for him. So I'm going to put that take out there because I get that side of it. But at the same time, A, Auburn's just crazy and like a horrible job. So there's also that. And B, like we've established that last year of Dylan Gabriel, Dylan Gabriel was not a malls on quarterback and they were at worst probably gonna be 10 and two if he'd been healthy the whole season. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just, at some point, if you're going to be the future of college football, like you got to live up to that. And the other thing about on top of that is that UCF's very interested in that four-star quarterback, Malachi Singleton, who also seems to be very interested in them. And yeah. truthfully, he's probably has a higher ceiling than even Tommy. Like it's kind of wild. UCF's in the mix here. And he sure isn't coming if UCF's starting a true freshman this year. Like no way. There's there's so many interesting ways it can go. And like this is kind of what I said earlier too, with if you if you start another true freshman this year, like I, I talked brought up the transfer portal and how you know it's difficult to just from a stability standpoint to, you know, pull in guys in the transfer portal. But it's also the fact that if you do start a true freshman quarterback, like we've talked about, you're probably going eight and four, nine and three at best. Like it's, that's back-to-back eight win seasons or no nine win seasons, whatever it's back-to-back seasons of like pretty good, you know, you're not right. But when, like you said, if you're calling yourself the future of college football, you've got to capitalize at some point and build forward. 
And it's, I think it's going to be harder to do work in the transfer portal if you're saying, hey, we've gone, we've won nine years. We've been just on the cusp in back to back years. Although I don't know, that kind of sounds like a, a good pitch. <laughs> like we've been on the cusp. So just, yeah, us. but Miami's been saying that for a, two decades. Um, <laughs> listen, going nine and four and beating Florida is really, really impressive when it's the first year of a new system. You've had dramatic injury issues. Going nine and four when you had nine games in your home state. And every team that you lost to the previous year, you get at home. That's not impressive. That's a letdown. So that that's the difference at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep building, but we'll leave that here. I know this was, you know, this was basically talking about the UCF quarterback competition. Basically, it, I feel like this, how all over the place it kind of was kind of perfectly summed up the competition as it stands. I don't even know what I'm going to name this podcast. But it's like Bailey and I break our brains trying to figure out who the starting quarterback will be. I mean, essentially that that you could throw that in the description and probably come up with something a little bit less expansive for the title. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's what we did. Um, really just try to figure some stuff out. We have we're, we're no better off than we were when we started this podcast. But hey, no one is. We'll see more uh, in the spring game next week. And, you know, God, next then, week. I can't wait. That's great. It's, it's going to be fun. I really need to apply for credentials. Um, <laughs> but I missed yeah, the deadline. Anyway, do that. Uh, we'll jump into the football news here real quick. Um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier coming out of UCF's first scrimmage of the spring. This was last week. So this is really old news at this point, but um, Gus did mention that Isaiah Bowser and Ryan O'Keefe are kind of being treated like veterans in terms of getting fewer reps and trying to keep them healthy. Cause I mean, really, what do you need to see out of those two guys in the spring um, other than what you've already seen? I don't think I need to talk about the Brandon Adams pick six again. He, he had a pick six, you know, it's good for Brandon Adams. And Devonte Brown had an interception as well. And the final thing I had here was kind of what we talked about going into spring ball. I said, I, I, we needed to start to see Colton Boomer, you know, taking over from Daniel Labarski a little bit. And it was, I think it was said by Gus that he's putting some pressure on him. So that's good enough for me so far. Need to see a little bit more good enough for me. We're trending in the right direction of Colton Boomer being the kicker come September. Um, out of UCS pro day on Friday, uh, they had, this is the list of guys that, that participated. It was Woody Barrett, big cat Bryant. Nate Craig Myers, Kalia Davis, Noah Hancock, Brandon Johnson, Cole Schneider, Marcus Tatum, Greg McRae, and McKenzie yeah. Milton. Greg McRae, good to see him back. Did McKenzie you happen Milton. to catch the uh, live stream of that? Of course I didn't. Yeah, neither did no, ne- no one did actually. Just thought I'd that's a, that, the funny thing is I was busy during I was at Disney Springs during that and I got to see as much of it as you did, pretty much. <laughs> I mean. I committed that's, though. I watched e- the ESPN plus little sticker thing saying we'll fix this soon. I had that on my TV for two hours. And, that's uh, so disappointing. It did not fix. That's so disappointing. I like, knew my like, time was running out when they tweeted like, that's it for pro day. People but, were like, we saw when like they came out with the graphic and they're like, Oh, like watch on ESPN plus everyone's like, Oh, that's cool. Like get to watch on ESPN. Yeah, plus. I was very excited. You know, if they would have just said like, Oh, it's not streaming. Everyone like, Oh, that's kind of disappointing. But I think it's, it's worse that they're like, we're streaming on ESPN plus, And then, it didn't work. No, it's an extra rough situation because it's not something that anyone really expected, but then you promised it and yeah. then it didn't happen. <laughs> like it's the worst yeah. possible situation for UCF. So yeah, that was unfortunate. It's not a big deal. It's pro day, but I just, yeah, you know, I can't not make jokes. Now, anyway, if, if it's the spring game, then it's a little bit worse. <laughs> whatever, um, whatever. We'll be at the stadium. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll be there. I'm talking about for people. Uh, who is the audience that's watching a stream of the spring game? Honestly, it's just out of state people, right? Yeah. Like, that's anything. what I'm saying. If you're, if you're like a diehard and you just can't get here, you know, and you're out of state that's that's what it is probably just or ask if, someone if, in the crowd to like go live on their phone or if like <laughs> for scheduling re- reasons you're not able to go but you're able you're at home for whatever reason i don't know what um, okay whatever 
more from Pro Day. This was uh, from Jason Beattie of the Orlando Sentinel. Kalia Davis met with more than 25 teams at the NFL Combine back in February and March. Uh, Davis said he will be ready for NFL training camp when that comes uh, in the summer. Big Cat Bryant has workouts scheduled uh, this week with uh, – there's one this week with the Bucks as one of the local workouts, and he has one with the Jaguars as well. Um, and he spoke with the Steelers, Chargers, and Panthers at his pro day on Friday. And this was weird. Cole Schneider said in his interview with uh, the media in Orlando that he has a workout scheduled with the Bucks this week. And, you know, names have started to come out about, you know, who's going to be participating in their local workout. And I even threw it out there. I was like, oh, he said last week that he was – uh, going to be doing it and the athletics bucks beat writer greg allman was like yeah i checked with his people today and it didn't sound like he was making he was going to do it and i was like that's weird he said last week he said i'm scheduled to be there so i don't know if something changed on his end maybe or he got end. like a cage fighter contract i don't know yeah he did say it was his backup plans he wanted to do cage fighting which he has the look for it he you really does that mustache, that mustache that he's sporting uh, i would watch ian parker fight <laughs> get him in wwe um hey, that old guy also came said, back. people are really excited about that Schneider, don't call him that old guy. I mean, What's he's his old, name? but Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's the guy. Was he the guy who like tried to like do a move and end up just like caressing a guy's chin? I saw that clip on Twitter a lot. That was well, you know, it was Vince McMahon's fault, probably. But yeah, okay. that was funny. Sorry, I don't, um, I don't know anything about wrestling, but you know, I yeah. follow a lot of people who do, so I see it. But anyway, Schneider, Schneider also said that he spoke with the Washington Commanders and the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think it was at Pro Day that that as well. Uh, UCF hired Alex Mathis as its assistant director of player personnel last week. And then some more just insane, just the, what this family's gone through this week on Monday. Uh, it was, or like it was reported on Tuesday that on Monday night, Gus Malzahn was involved in a car accident in Auburn. Uh, thankfully, you know, per UCF, he wasn't injured, but just, we've talked about it multiple. We like, can this family catch a break? Yeah. Like, thank God what? he's okay. I car accidents are terrifying. I mean, well, it was even worse. Cause like I said, like, Oh, it was like, he was involved in, I think I said serious car accident. And then something said someone was airlifted. Yeah. The first tweet said a man was airlifted from the scene. And it's and like, it said, what the hell? Well, they were like, a man was airlifted. We're not clear if that was him or not. And then yeah, they followed true. up and yeah, he said he was, which that's, what's scary too. I mean, I, I, I don't know if we've got an update on whoever was airlifted, but I mean, man, that's, I don't think, I don't think so. That's so scary. So yeah. Again, I, just, I mean, just, really wishing that family could catch a break because it's been a ridiculous few months yeah um this was some more interesting news that came out earlier this week bob bowlsby will be stepping up down as the big 12 commissioner here pretty soon so that's going to be a a commissioner search that ucf will watch with uh, a lot of interest i can't wait for them to hire a resco i'll <laughs> i saw someone say on twitter today that if, they, if it's a resco i don't know what the, the connection was but they said that they would like stop supporting UCF or something like that. I'm, I'm not like, doing I'm this tangent because I got a guy here, so I'll save it for another podcast. But like, I don't get why UCF fans hate a Resco. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I don't know. It's just everyone hates him. I'm always like, why? They're like, oh, he just, you know, he's a Resco. It's like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. why. I don't get why UCF fans hate him. But anyway. Yeah. The last little piece of uh, football news is that 2023 four-star running back, Javen Simpkins uh, from Miami listed UCF in his top five, along with Louisville, Texas, Arkansas, and Georgia Tech. So it's kind of interesting that UCF's – I don't know if Miami is going after him, but he's from Miami, and UCF's in his top five. So mm. I don't know. You kind heard it here first. Mario Cristobal on the hot seat? <laughs> losing Come. losing recruiting battles. I, I literally – I don't even know. You sent that to me, like, right before I finished this outline. So Listen, I don't even know Miami if he lost, recruited, but. It was a different staff, but Miami lost – the Henderson twins were heavily recruited by Miami. Yeah. And UCF got both of them. I like, I say both of them, like there was a chance one might go and one not, but <laughs> so 
Yeah. And it's, it's always funny. Like you look at like from Manny Diaz from like losing recruits to UCF to fired. It was like four weeks. So that's a kind of par for the course there, but yeah. Um, real quick game of the week. Um, throwing it in baseball's way this week. It was, this is really more, it's more of like, it's less of, Oh, this is a big time matchup and more of like, they need to take care of business because uh, they got off to a good start in conference play last weekend. They swept uh, South Florida. They're now 18 and 11 after a loss to FAU this week. They're three and zero in the AAC and they're playing a Memphis team. That's 12 and 13. Oh, and three in the AAC. So if they're going to get on track at, at, you know, and find some consistency, this is a series that they need to win the series. Preferably they need to sweep the series, but they play Friday at seven, Saturday at three and Sunday at one. And man, I'm just hoping they can find some consistency at some point because it seems like they've got the talent. They've had some, un- they've had some bad luck with injuries and stuff, but it's been frustrating to watch so far. The D1 uh, baseball, whatever that website. Yeah. Did their, um, their like, uh, what's the thing called that they do at the end of the season? The tournament? Yeah, that thing. I thought yeah. College World Series, whatever. I don't know. Uh, regional. Oh, regional. I mean, regional oh, is yeah, the yeah. word I was looking for. Thank okay. you. Uh, they did their like projections and UCF did not make it. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. With the record they have, I don't, I wouldn't expect them to right now. That's why they, I don't know. It was, I was really on a high after they swept South Florida and I was like, all right, they're at 18 wins. And I like mapped it out on my phone. I was like, 40 wins is like often the target. And I was like, all right, here's the different ways I can get to 40 wins. And I was like, I think the first thing I put on there, let me look at it real quick. Uh, I said they should, they should go five and one over the remaining six midweek games. And then they lost the very next midweek game. <laughs> so they better not lose another one. According to my little model that I That's it. arbitrarily made. Your, which your, means they have to beat Miami. Your margin for error. Well, they did that already. Which they already so did. No problem. So. <laughs> yeah. Your margin for error is gone. UCF baseball. <laughs> it's it's a mess what I made up. But do you have a quick uh, tweet of the week this week or no? Tweet of the week. I do have a tweet of the week. Um, this is from a USF fan because of course it's a Bulls <laughs> unite. So good for him. And week after tweet. week, this is just a USF tweet segment. No, it was uh, it was Terry Mahajer like four weeks ago. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, the overall mindset as the tweet, I'm not talking anymore. The overall mindset needs to change when it comes to playing C C is what USF fans call UCF. Hilarious. They are, they are not better. We are just hyping them up. Stop <laughs> with the slime. Stop putting extra pressure on our players and play loose. So like, if you guys haven't kept up, UCF clinched the war on I four all sports trophy for the million, for the infinite time of its existence. USF has never won it. USF has one win over UCF in any sport this year, and it was men's basketball. They played three times and UCF won twice. Every other sport, it's been a sweeping loss for USF. But the problem, if you guys did not realize, it is it's not that UCF is just a better athletic department. It's not that UCF has better teams. It's that USF is hyping UCF up. So if you're listening to this, USF players and coaches, please stop hyping up UCF because that is why you've lost these games. It's not, they're not better than you. It's not that your team is worse. It's not that your coaches are worse. It's that you are doing too much to hype up UCF. I don't know what it is exactly that you're doing to hype them up, but you need to stop. Um, Oh, I do agree with this thing about getting rid of the slime uniforms. Horrible. I I don't know how they're losing because that was the one thing. That was the one thing there. I think they're classic colors. And I was actually talking to this about my mom or not about my mom with my mom the other day. Cause we were watching, we were watching baseball. And they were like, she was asking me, like, she's like, do you like those? And I was like, no. And she's like, is it just because it's USF? And I was like, no. Like, I really like USF's, like, uh, classic colors. I like. I think when they do go green and white or the green and gold, I think it's it's a good look. USF has a really solid color slime, scheme, which is what makes it so dumb that they, like, go off the rails with the slime crap. It I will say that I saw, I saw a far more measured take um, from a USF fan where they were basically like, you know, basically the, the, the basis of it is or the basics of it are – 
that, you know, USF does have a good baseball and a good softball team, but UCS just better this year. That's, you know, it's, it's okay to admit that. Like, it's not that no, USF not. is bad. It's not that USF is bad at softball. They actually have a very good softball team. They're a baseball team that went to the super regionals last year. USF's good in all sports. Their women's yeah. basketball team was good this year too. It's just, it's, UCF it's just okay. has some really good teams. Right it's now. okay to admit that UCF, that it just, they, they've played better. You know, it's not that they're bad. It's that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a funny thing. That rivalry's going almost off over, almost over. Well, it is over because they started talking about academics, and I don't. We're not getting into it. <laughs> you but, realize a um, year from now we'll have like a couple months left of that rivalry, and that's it. Maybe. Except for men's soccer, probably, but whatever. <laughs> That'll be fun. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll get out of here. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with episode sixty-eight, which will be our spring game preview, that's which exciting. will be very exciting. We'll have a lot of stuff to talk about and probably be wrong about. Uh, but until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports. Now, once again, thank you guys so much for being with us and we will talk to you next week. Bye everybody.